Catholic Connection is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Welcome to Catholic Connection with Teresa Tamio, keeping you connected to your faith and your world. Teresa tackles the issues of faith and culture, the pro-life message, and media awareness. And now, here's Teresa Tamio. Happy Monday. It's July 10, 2023. Hope you had a beautiful weekend, and I hope you had a chance to see the sound of freedom. We did not. We were giving a diaconate retreat down in Texas. I'll tell you about that in a second. But the good news is... The box office doing extremely well again for the film, The Sound of Freedom, starring Jim Caviezel, to the point of $40 million after six days of release. Now, what's interesting, and I was talking about this in the first hour of my show here on Catholic Connection with my friend and fellow Ave Maria host, Vanessa Denhagarmo. She saw it over the weekend. The Sound of Freedom, they're referring to this. This is Variety Magazine. A religious thriller led by the Passion of the Christ star, Jim Caviezel, is becoming an unlikely box office savior. The faith-based movie about child sex trafficking has collected an impressive $40 million after six days of release. Now, I have not seen the film, as I mentioned last week. We are not able to get tickets yet. We're still working on that. Deacon Dom and I are hoping to see it this week. V managed to find a theater. Vanessa managed to find a theater. She said it was not easy over the weekend and did manage to grab a ticket and go see it with a friend. And it's so interesting how they like to pigeonhole or put these different movies in a box. Movies that they're wondering, how in the world can they make money? Hollywood just cannot stand it when somebody you know, gets a one-up on them. And this is what's happened, because they want us to think a certain way. They want us to accept the movies that they're promoting the heck out of. And when we go in a different direction as a public that make up our own minds, as American citizens, how we're going to spend our money in our pocketbooks and in our wallets, they can't handle it. So they have to pigeonhole the movie and saying, well, okay, it's a religious thriller led by the Passion of the Christ star, Jim Caviezel. And we know that Hollywood and the media do not like him. So therefore, these are all these subliminal messages. This is why it's so important to discern when you're reading. So what they're saying out front is, well, it's religious, so you don't want to go because you're going to be preached at. And it's this, this Jim Caviezel guy, you know, he's this Catholic who's really uber conservative. And you don't want to see anything that he's in without actually saying that. But it's not a religious thriller, not that that would be bad, but they're totally missing the point of the film. It is about the scourge of sex trafficking. And so be careful when you're reading these reports to not get this idea that what they're trying to sell us. Don't go see it, even though millions of people are seeing it, obviously, because of the numbers. Because, you know, those, those Jim Caviezel types, they're really odd. And now they're even attacking Tim Ballard the, the true story, the man who, who Jim Caviezel portrays in the film, and going all out, you know, basically media attack on him. And this is, this is to be expected because the media want us to accept what they are promoting, Hollywood and the culture. No, you must see these films with these woke agendas. And so we're going to try now to steer you away and to kind of scare you that it's going to be a preachy thing when you go see this film. It's, it's just really sad. Anyhow, the good news is, is people are not listening to Hollywood and they're concerned about this issue and they're going to the tune of an impressive $40 million after six days of release. It opened last Tuesday, as we mentioned on the show last week, generating a mighty $14.2 million 
on the independence holiday. So I just wanted to throw that out there because that's news that's out as of late yesterday in the story on the latest numbers of the film because I know a lot of people were wondering about it. And apparently now that it's made this much money, it is going to be around a little longer. If you remember, the director of the movie last week on this show told us that they needed to pack the theaters this weekend, and apparently it was successful. So thanks be to God. Uh, a big thank you to Deacon Dave and his wife Karen from the Diocese of Austin, Texas. They brought in me and Deacon Dom for a wonderful retreat. We love speaking to fellow Deacon couples, and we led their retreat for the weekend. It was so much fun and so moving, and it's just great being with other Deacon couples. And we talked about the importance of reflection and remembering. Remembering your marriage journey, that marriage vocation, what brought you together as husband and wife, and then what led you to the diaconate. To reflect and to remember so you can go forward. That was the whole theme. And so interesting how the Holy Father also talked about this at the Angelus yesterday, and we'll get to that in the news in just a minute. Coming up, excited, as I said, to have Gary Mashuda on with us. He's got a brand new book about the gospel of truth, taking a look at how the church has preserved the truth of the gospels. And then we're also going to be looking at something coming out of this administration, once again, in terms of abortion. The Biden administration doubling down in its discrimination against pro-life Americans by withholding taxpayer dollars from states that refuse to fund abortions. We're going to be taking a look at a recent op-ed published by Chris Faddis, president of Solidarity Healthcare, condemning the administration for rescinding $4.5 million in Title X grants from the Oklahoma State Department of Health after the state chose not to spend money on abortion. So if you don't support their extreme agendas, you are going to be punished. So very interesting story, and we will talk with Chris about that. And then wrapping up on a Monday with our scripture verse of the week. Let's take a look at the weather because there is some dangerous weather in store. We will be covering this more detailed manner coming up in the news, but I do want to mention in case uh, you're wondering, we've got a lot of weird weather happening out there. The clash of a relatively strong summer cold front Mixing with tropical moisture is setting the stage, the National Weather Service says, for a high risk of excessive rain and flooding today, and this will continue to occur in the northeast. They're saying areas of heavy rain with thunderstorms expected to produce intense rain rates and the potential for significant flooding across parts of New England, especially in Vermont. Now, New York got hit really hard, as you'll hear in the news, and then you've got extreme heat continuing for several days in the south, and we'll get to that in the news and let's do this right now, getting to the news, six minutes past the hour. It's a Monday, July 10th, 2023, and you're listening to EWTN. Well, as you mentioned at the Angelus Prayer yesterday, the Holy Father urging us to allow ourselves to be impressed by the great things God accomplishes and the good deeds that silently change the world. He called on all the faithful to ask themselves whether they marvel like children at God's works around us, or if we just let them pass us by. Just before the Lord's Prayer, Jesus said, the Pope said he had recalled some of his works. The blind receive their sight, lepers are cleansed, the poor have the good news preached to them, Matthew 11:5, and revealed what this means, saying, these are the signs that God is at work in the world. The gospel message is therefore clear, the Holy Father said. God reveals himself by liberating and healing the human person with gratuitous love that saves. He said the little ones know how to welcome God and his works, and they thank the Father, praising him for the simple people whose hearts, Jesus said, are open and free from presumption and self-love and are open to God and allow themselves to be amazed at his works. 
In an interview with Vatican Media, Cardinal-elect Victor Manuel Fernandez of La Plata, whom Pope Francis has now appointed prefect of the Dicastery for the Doctrine of the Faith, reaffirming, as Devin Watkins reports, that faith is safeguarded, especially by growing in our understanding of it while remaining vigilant. In the interview granted to Vatican Media, the Archbishop, who has been a close collaborator of Pope Francis since his time serving as Archbishop of Buenos Aires, spoke about the link between proclaiming the gospel and safeguarding the faith. He said the Pope's letter sent at his appointment revealed his task to be to promote a theology that grows and deepens in dialogue between theologians and in conversation with science and society, but always at the service of evangelization. The placement of his dicastery after that of evangelization in the new constitution of the Roman Curia, Predicate Evangelium, has already made that clear, said Archbishop Fernandez. He said Christians can proclaim the gospel amid rampant secularization by showing the beauty and attractiveness of the faith without disfiguring it. He expressed the need to engage with culture effectively on this front. As Pope Benedict XVI said in his encyclical Deus Caritas Est, being Christian is not the result of an ethical choice or a lofty idea, but the encounter with an event, a person which gives life a new horizon and a decisive direction. The new prefect said it is appropriate to remember these words today, highlighting that no religious doctrine has ever changed the world unless there has been an event of faith, an encounter that reorients life. He said this applies to Christianity, but can be seen in the history of all religions. Without an experience of the living Christ who loves and saves, said Archbishop Fernandez, we cannot shape our being Christian while concentrating on arguing and debating with everyone. Archbishop Fernandez concluded the interview by inviting Christian theologians to develop a well-founded theology that is clearly oriented towards the service of the encounter with Christ. I'm Devin Watkins. In other news this morning, a Republican governor running for president says he will not support a federal abortion ban if he is elected. Speaking on Meet the Press over the weekend, North Dakota Governor Doug Burgum said he believes in leaving such decisions up to each state. He noted that a bill that might pass in his state would not pass in other states such as California and New York, noting he did agree, though, with the Supreme Court's decision to overturn Roe v. Wade last year. The search is on for a murder suspect who escaped from a jail in northwestern Pennsylvania. Authorities saying yesterday, 34-year-old Michael Charles Burham is a self-taught survivalist with military experience. He would certainly seek to be armed, so we are treating him as, uh, as that it is likely he is. Uh, in the past, when he was on the run, he was able to arm himself. Um, and again, so he's a dangerous individual. Local and federal law enforcement officers are involved in the manhunt that began Friday morning. And it is a busy news day, lots of news going on, including, as we mentioned, the weather. We've got some problems out east, some flooding. Not time to tell you about that. We have to break and go to our interview right after the break with Gary Mashuda and his book, The Gospel of Truth. Thanks for tuning in to EWTN. We'll be right back on a Monday morning. It's July 10th, 2023. Stay tuned. People ask how they can care for older family members who can't fully care for themselves. One answer is Visiting Angels, America's choice in senior home care. Visiting Angels assists adults nationwide with 600 locations to continue living at home and not have to move into a nursing home. Their caregivers provide assistance in hygiene, meals, and light housework. Services are provided up to 24 hours per day, and you can select your caregiver before service begins. 
More information, including franchise opportunities, is on the web at visitingangels.com. You and your spouse are invited to cruise with Royal Caribbean this January, along with Father Michael Schmitz, Archbishop Nauman, Al, Teresa, Dr. Ray, and many others. Get away with your spouse on a fun, relaxing, and rejuvenating cruise with inspiring speakers, daily mass, and endless memorable experiences. Father Michael Schmitz comments, you'll encounter an amazing community of couples and speakers, and most importantly, you'll encounter Christ. More details at AveMariaRadio.net. Just click the travel link. Would you get on a plane that doesn't have a pilot? Investing in passive index mutual funds may present the same issue. The Ave Maria mutual funds are actively managed by seasoned investment professionals to help you meet your investment goals in a morally responsible way. Ave Maria funds are managed to conform to pro-life and pro-family values. Long-term investors could invest in the no-load Ave Maria mutual funds. You can learn more about the Ave Maria mutual funds at 866-AVE-MARIA or visit AveMariaFunds.com. This program is brought to you in part by Charity Mobile, a proud partner of Ave Maria Radio for over 15 years. Charity Mobile is the pro-life cell phone company and has sent nearly $2 million to thousands of pro-life charities. 4G LTE coverage is available nationwide, and 5% of your monthly plan price goes to your favorite pro-life charity. A video introduction is available at CharityMobile.com. Charity Mobile, everyday living, effortless giving. CharityMobile.com. Great Monday morning. It's an honor to know and actually live so close to Gary Mashuda. He's a fellow Michigander and a Metro Detroiter and does a lot in the area with apologetics as well. And he's just a terrific resource. And we always like to go to him for all issues of apologetics. He does great work with a number of different agencies, including, of course, our wonderful Catholic Answers program and also just a number of books. And as I mentioned, speaking all over the country and especially in his home state of Michigan. And now he has a brand new book out, which is really exciting. And Gary, you know, this is something that is so important right now. The title of the book is A Gospel Truth. And boy, oh boy, we have a lack of truth out there. And I keep going back to that original question, speaking of truth, of Pontius Pilate talking to the Lord, looking right at the truth of the capital T and asking what is truth. So what prompted you to put this latest book together in terms of what the church has done with guaranteeing the insurance that what Jesus taught and did was accurately retained? Good morning. Morning. Yeah. um, Well... You know, we're at the point in society where a lot of people don't even know about Jesus. They've heard the name, and so they don't really see why he's important. So I I, I thought there's a lot of great books out there that vindicate the Gospels, the truthfulness of them, uh, how we know our text is identical to the original, and and things like that. But uh, I I needed to, I I noticed that a lot of them were evangelicals, and they, they had some blind spots because of that. They don't really take the early church seriously. So I I wanted to write a book first to pique a person's interest that there is something different about this Jesus of Nazareth that shaped human history for the past 2,000 years. And then uh, look at the Gospels and kind of do a little detective, you know, uh, Mm -hmm. detective work looking at the page and and showing that, you know what, there was a concerted effort on the part of the evangelist to accurately write down everything Jesus said and did and that there's ways in which we can know that the Gospels are giving us a truthful uh, recounting, not fabricating or making a hoax or anything like that. 
So what resources did you seek out? Were these new resources? Did you or just use the same resources and maybe dig a little bit deeper or differently? Yeah, um, well, that's a great question because some of the stuff is kind of flyover country. Uh, most of the things I have in my book isn't controversial in the scholarly realm, but it's kind of either forgotten or the import of it really hasn't been mined. You know, mm -hmm. so like, for example, I, I look at the Gospels and if you're a Greek reader, the, the earliest manuscripts we have are in Greek. If you're a Greek reader, you'll notice that there are strange parts in the Gospels where they seem to be speaking Hebrew or Aramaic in, in Greek. And uh, that's because there is an underlying uh, either Hebrew or Aramaic source that's being copied. So uh, in my book, I, I point out some of these things. And what I show is that. If you look closely at that, you see there are, there's a a way in which there's it's encoded for memory's sake. You know, there's ways in which we could recall things word for word, like uh, lyrics for a song or a nursery rhyme. Mm -hmm. And you could do that for decades later. Well, the same kind of memory things are, are buried either in the Greek or they're hidden under the Greek, which is really weird because if, if you're fabricating a hoax, why would you hide you know, right. uh, something that you're you're trying to establish. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mm -hmm. make any sense. So why do you think, for example, you said something interesting in, in the in the first response to the at the beginning of the interview that the evangelicals uh, don't look too much or take too much seriously the early church? How is that possible? Because don't you want to go back as a reporter? I would always go back to the original sources of something. Yeah, well, part of that is sacred tradition. Uh, that's a red line because Protestantism can't afford to give sacred tradition uh, uh, a valid place, right? Because if they do, they become Catholics. Uh, they go by scripture alone. So when they're trying to vindicate the scripture alone, that's difficult because when you ask questions like, well, how do we know the Gospels told the truth, that they didn't lie or embellish? The only way you really know that is if there is the early church who verified these things. But once you start looking outside of Scripture to the early church to verify these things, you're coming dangerously close to affirming sacred tradition. So evangelical sources like uh, will uh, flirt with that as much as they they have to, but they really don't give the early church all its full credit. And in my book, that's exactly what I do. So I show if you give the church, you know, as believe it as a real historic entity entity that persists through history that you can not only answer questions like are the gospels true but how do we know what the proper interpretation of scripture is how do we know which books belong in scripture you know all these other questions are very easily answered uh, if you take the, the early church seriously so i think evangelical approach is very thin and i think a lot of non-believers rightly aren't very persuaded by them Hmm. Talking with author and speaker and apologist Gary Mashuda. He's the author most recently before this book, currently The Gospel of Truth, Revolt Against Reality, Fighting the Enemies of Sanity and Truth from the Serpent to the State. So now you're kind of going back to another scriptural or more of an apologetics. I know you always have apologetics in your work, but why the shift now, Gary, back to something like this? I mean, I would imagine looking at the craziness of the world and all the confusion out there, that in another way, this is similar to Revolt Against Reality, because we are taking in many ways, not in the church, but out there in the world, people take Jesus and make him into something he isn't to fit in their particular you know, line of belief or agenda. Yeah, it's, 
Uh, yeah. Actually, I wrote the manuscript for both books almost at the same time. Oh, really? Uh, wow. Yeah. So, uh, like you're, like you said, the first one's like a much more larger historical project. This one, I, I, I think, you know, there are people out there that are open to uh, Christ. You know, they're open to the gospel message, but they don't really see how you connect the dots. How do you connect Jesus to today? You know, mm-hmm. and uh, so I wanted to write a book to do that. In fact, the book was originally titled Message Received. But Scott Hahn said, you know, the gospel truth is better. So yeah. I, I opted for his suggestion. Yeah. But it's like you, we have to connect that dot that Jesus, we can know truth about Jesus because we have his church. Absolutely. And I love the fact you've got so many great endorsements, including our very own Al Cresta, president and CEO and host of Ave, CEO of Ave Maria Radio and host of Cresta in the Afternoon. Gary Mashuda, he says, will shame those who dismiss the Gospels as pious opinions unconcerned with historical reliability or eyewitness testimony. With great precision, he demonstrates how Jesus utilized time-tested techniques to ensure that his disciples would have accurate recall of his teaching formatted for reliable transmission. That is such an Al quote that sounds so much <laughs> sounds so much <laughs> like is. Al, yeah, right? Very specific and, and really talking about, about the history in the church. So if someone hears this, the gospel truth, it has kind of a dual meaning, does it not? In terms of the truth of the gospels, in terms of their accuracy, but also in the truth of them being reality. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and that's, uh, you know, that's where it pairs with my other book, too. Like you said, uh, uh, Christianity has been reduced down to an idea. And, you know, if it's an idea, then it competes with other ideas. Right. But the fact of the matter is, is that Jesus had changed the course of human history. He's brought about the foundations of Western civilization, not to mention raised us to, you know, levels that unaided humanity could never reach. And so, you know, that that importance of, well, how did this come about? And how do we know, you know, what exactly he said and and did, uh, I think really comes to the forefront. That's why I wrote the book. The book is a gospel truth, how we can know what Christ taught, published by our friends at Emmaus Press. So does it, I'm sure it does as it does me when I do research on the church, it does me in my heart such good to think about how the church preserved our faith over the centuries and the fact that, as it says in Ecclesiastes, nothing new under the sun in terms of many of the issues that we were dealing with back in the Lord's Day or back in the early church, they may appear differently and there may be extremes out there, but we're still dealing with a lot of the same in terms of where people are belief-wise, are we not? Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's funny, you know, uh, these ancient heresies, they never die. They're like zombies. You know, (laughs) we think they're dead, but they're still walking the earth. Uh, Yeah. And uh, in fact, uh, you know, Vindicating the Gospels was part of the project of the early church. You know, uh, mm-hmm. St. Irenaeus of Lyon in their late uh, second Christian century, when he was going against the Gnostics who claimed that they had secret knowledge that Jesus gave to, uh, you know, the knowing ones. Uh, what did he do? He appealed to the church. He appealed to the faith that was, you know, spread throughout the world and was unified as one as a way to destroy this heresy. And, uh, you know, we can take those same weapons and use them for their modern counterparts. 
In terms of writing this and the style, you have a very, I think, even though you're, you're very, obviously very intelligent and brilliant in terms of apologetics, so you have, a, I think, a good way of, of appealing to just the average person. People shouldn't be intimidated by this, right? Why should the average person, you know, a Catholic saying, well, you know, I don't have a degree and, and I haven't studied apologetics or I haven't looked at the history of the church. I just love the Lord and the faith and I'm, I'm trying to be a good Catholic. And they may think, gosh, this is too much over my head. So for whom did you write this, Gary? Yeah, I, I wrote it for the non-believer. I wrote it for a Catholic who's maybe interested in Scripture. I wrote it for people who are having questions. And you don't, I mean, I do get into some technical things, but overall, it's all down to common sense. Mm-hmm. I, I, don't, I want somebody to be like, uh, you know, a detective who's looking at these documents and, you know, and saying, huh, that's very interesting. I wonder why they zigged when they should have zagged zagged you know? yeah. yeah before we, we take a break uh, tell our listeners uh, because the people are very familiar with your work especially in the area of apologetics how you got interested in this topic of apologetics in the first place yeah uh, <laughs> that's a great question uh, i ran into uh, a fundamentalist uh, lady when i got my first full-time job out of college and she started challenging me on my faith and um, i started digging into it and um, you know it i i tell people that our Lord hit me with over the head with a spiritual two by four. Mm. You know, it's like suddenly I real I realized the truth of the faith, the truth about His real presence in the Eucharist, and that just changed my whole world around. And suddenly wow. I didn't care about my career; I just wanted to help other people, you know, learn about the faith and clear up all these misunderstandings. Yeah, and how long have you been at it now, Gary? It's been what. 20 plus years hasn't it yeah early yeah. 1990s wow yeah. wow well i'm excited about this book we're going to review some of the chapters when we come back because it's really important but you can go to either the ewtm religious catalog or the ave maria radio.net bookstore or of course our friends at st paul center for biblical theology and they are of course the owners and workers with emmaus press and you can find it there the gospel truth how can we know what christ taught latest book from our friend gary mashuda more with Gary when we come back on a Monday morning, July 10th, 2023. Are mobile phones dangerous? I'm Chuck Gatica, and this is Journey Strong. Our phones have become an extension of our physical bodies, and they emit radiation. Where you routinely place, hold, or store your phone on your body is critical. Energy emitted from radio frequency exposure can be absorbed by the body and potentially harmful. Apple recommends customers using its latest iPhones try the hands-free options like built-in speaker phones and headphones to reduce exposure. Android-type phones top the list of phones giving off the most radiation. Keep all brands of phones away from your ear and head when possible. Men should store a phone in a pant pocket. Women should keep their phone in a purse, pant pocket, but not in their bra. I didn't know this was a thing. Practice social distancing from phones. Like fasting from food, maybe it's time for a digital detox. Check out the Journey Strong tab for more on this at the homepage of AveMariaRadio.net. Father Benedict Groeschel. I don't think people should have negative fears of God, but I think you should get a lump in your throat. You should feel excited. Suppose I was going to take you and introduce you 
to the Pope or to the President of some country or something. You might get a little lump in your throat. Forget it. Every day, you, I, live and move and have our being in the presence of God. These are the class of feelings we should have, and we should have them to an intense degree if we really had the sight of Almighty God. These feelings are the feelings which we shall have if we realize His presence, and in proportion as we believe that He is present, we shall have them. And not to have them is not to realize, not to believe that God is present to us. EWTN. Live Truth. Live Catholic. Looking for some great summer reading? Grab a copy of this book, The Gospel Truth, published by Emmaus Press, of course, St. Paul Center for Biblical Theology, the author, Gary Mashuda. So, Gary, I'm really intrigued by this book, and I love chapter titles, creative ones, as a fellow author. So I just want to read the first three chapter titles. Number one, Something Happened. Ooh, that sounds very mysterious and interesting. What was passed on, chapter two and three. I love this. That's not Greek to me. So let's start with Something Happened. Obviously, you're talking about something happening being Jesus Christ coming into the world, the incarnation. I'm thinking that's it. I haven't finished oh, yeah. the book yet, but I'm thinking, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah the, the first thing is to get people to say, huh, you know, that, that's very strange. Like, so what I do is I begin by showing this, that there was this mysterious prophecy that was circulating in the first century that both pagans and Jews recognized that there would be this ruler who would come out of Judea who would be the the governor of the inhabitable earth you know a worldwide dominion would come out of judea and uh, the the jews understood that to be the messiah would appear in the first century and in the new testament that's what we find we find all these uh, false messiahs popping up and so on and and the pagans also uh they knew about this prophecy and they thought it was uh speaking about the emperor uh, vespasian or titus but, you know, all of those people are gone, and uh, most people never even heard of Vespasian or Titus or the Roman Empire, for that matter. So what what's the deal that caused this giant revolt? And uh, there is one rabbi who was teaching in the first century who's still around today, and lo and behold, uh, he has followers all over the world, you know, over a billion mm. of them. So that of course is Jesus of Nazareth. So who is this Jesus of Nazareth that, yeah. you know, fulfills this prophecy and um, revolutionizes the world? What I think is super important, and Deacon Tom and I just over the weekend gave a powerful a retreat. It was powerful for us because of the, the people to whom we spoke. Because we, you get, you know, you know, this as a speaker, you get as much as as you give from the people to whom uh, you're presenting. But it was just a, a really great experience to be with the deacons and their wives. And the whole theme was based on reflecting and looking back and remembering and not remembering in a negative sense of, oh you know the, the world was much better then and life was so much better and you know we're, we're, the world's a mess but remembering our journey remembering our, our personal journey to the diaconate but also the journey in marriage most importantly because that vocation would always obviously come first but this is a kind of a remembering or reflecting and looking at the marvel of god as the pope talked about yesterday at the audience right in terms of going back and looking at how the truth was protected over the years and confirmed yeah, absolutely. You know, we can't see God's hand, you know, in the here and now. 
it's very difficult to see how he's going to work in the future, but we could see it crystal clear in the past, mm-hmm. you know, and I think that's why scripture is what it is. It's sacred history because the, the writers look back in the past and they say, wow, you know, this is where God is working. It's, it's crystal clear that he's led us to this point. And yeah, I yeah. totally agree with you. I mean, uh, reflection and uh that's really where i think you know you really see god's hand at work Hmm. and chapter two what was passed on that that really is the ultimate question which is summarizing your book yeah yeah jesus uh if he truly is the son of god would have made assurances that what he said and did uh would be passed on and so he entered the jewish race which already had a kind of mechanism for passing on large amounts of information accurately from generation to generation that's through a rabbi disciple relationship so in that chapter what i do is i take a look at okay what was this rabbi disciple relationship and then i show that jesus actually supersedes that two or three times (laughs) what was there so uh yeah that's a really cool chapter did you find anything that surprised you because you've done a lot of research on this topic you know every book surprises me that's I th- I think the reason I write books is because I'm afraid I'm going to forget all this stuff, so I mm. need to put it in order. <laughs> yeah, that's I, I I totally relate to that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And then then you look back at the project, and it's like, wow, I didn't realize these pe- uh, puzzle pieces fit together like they do. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I, uh, yeah. There was all sorts of uh, new discoveries in the book. Yeah, you know, it's it's so to me. It's like a, and Steve Wright and our mutual friend from Michigan. Mm-hmm. talks about this that this is like swimming i think he decides it that, that calls it this this deep deep well that you could never where you never hit the bottom in terms of being in the church because there's so much to dive into to discover to rediscover learning something new and for example when we were at, at mass yesterday and a wonderful uh, priest from the retreat center and he was talking about the greek translations of what jesus was explaining in the gospels and I had heard that gospel how many times, you know, now that I'm in my 60s, right, how many times have we heard the scriptures? And yet it was all, it wasn't Greek to me. It was it was new in sense of this is something new that I'm learning. And he made it even more clear in terms of the beauty of what Jesus is trying to say. So you can always learn something new from the scriptures. Not that make you're changing the interpretation of it, but you're seeing it more deeply or maybe differently. Do you find that to be true? Oh, yeah. In fact, uh you know, that was one of those discoveries. Uh, what I realized is that when I was reading Scripture or hearing Scripture all these years, I just thought that they spoke things. It was kind of like Bibleese. Well, that's how yeah. they spoke back in the first century. But what I realized is that those are actually, uh, it's a kind of formatting for memory recall. Mm. And so the, the, the kind of odd turns of phrases or, or the very stylistic way Jesus seems to speak, you know, there's a purpose behind it. And, uh, yeah, Scripture is amazing. And unfortunately, uh, we're missing so much. Even us who dive into the the word, you know, daily, uh, we're just... That we're just touching the tip of the iceberg. Yeah, absolutely. We're talking with author and apologist and speaker Gary Mashuda, his latest book, this one from Emmaus Press, The Gospel Truth, How Can We Know What Christ Taught? I think we are doing uh, a lot better, though, in terms of, for example, while well, publishing companies like Emmaus Road and Sophia and E.W. Chan and Ignatius and Ascension and so many other great Catholic publishers who are really giving us so much volume in terms of ways, different ways to study Scripture. So how would you tell people, Gary, this summer, if they want to take this book and maybe take it on vacation how should they read this book should they sit down with the bible or just take it chapter by chapter what do you think yeah i would just take it chapter by chapter you know uh, i tried to <laughs> i don't know how many books i've written 
But I, I think I finally got to the point where I could do little cliffhangers at the end of <laughs> each chapter. But uh, yeah, stay just, tuned, as we say in broadcasting, right? That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you got you got to hold on. So yeah, um, yeah I, I would just you don't even need the Bible; you could just read it. I, I have all the quotes there, and like I said, it's more of a detective story. You know, mm. uh, uncovering these very really cool things that you probably read a million times and never yeah. saw before. That's fascinating. And again, you look at what's happened over 2,000 years and the fact that the church is still the church is a church and that we're here 2,000 plus years later, you just know that, that God was involved in, in the heart of this uh, from the very beginning. I mean, on this rock, you shall build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against us. So how's the book doing so far? I know it's brand new, hot off the presses. Uh, you know, that's how uh, publishers don't always give you. I know. They don't give us the update. Give us the update. We want to know. We want to know. I, I've been getting lots of positive responses. Good. Um, Good. And uh, doing a lot of interviews. So yeah. thanks be to God. Well, that's great. And you're you're a great guest. And, of course, I'm a little bit biased because you're a fellow Michigander. But you've done so much in the area of apologetics. And your ministry has just exploded. And we appreciate it. And we need it. Gary Mashuda. His latest book, The Gospel Truth, How Can We Know What Christ Taught? Get a copy of it. You can find it at a number of locations. AveMariaRadio.net has it at our bookstore. You can find it at the Religious Catalog. And, of course, the St. Ball Center for Biblical Theology, Emmaus Road, Emmaus Press. Just check it out. The Emmaus Academy has wonderful programs as well. We'll be right back on a Monday. Let you know what's coming up next on Catholic Connections. Stay tuned. As a Catholic mom, I know that parenting can be hard, frustrating, and lonely. But it doesn't have to be that way anymore. I'm Lisa Popcheck from More to Life, inviting you to become a premium member of Catholic Home. That's CatholicHOM.com. It's an online community dedicated to supporting Catholic parents like you. At Catholic Home, you can chat with our team of family life coaches every day, get expert help with discipline issues, self-care, creating a stronger marriage, living your faith at home, or just coping with the stress of being a Catholic parent in today's world. In addition to personalized expert support, you'll get access to tons of creative resources, entertaining videos that teach your kids how to get along and love the Lord downloadable activities, monthly live parenting Q&As, and a supportive community and tons of other benefits, like my Momfidence podcast. Go to CatholicHOM.com today and become a premium member of the Catholic Home Community. Again, that's CatholicHOM.com. I can't wait to see you there. Father Benedict Rochelle. Brothers and sisters, we got to tell the truth in this country. For heaven's sakes, I wouldn't want to go to a synagogue and find that they were having a Muslim service. I wouldn't want to go to a mosque and run into a Baptist service. I don't want to go to a Baptist church and find out that they're having mass. We've got to be honest to ourselves. We've got to be what we are. I'd rather a good old-fashioned, honest agnostic than a phony Christian any day of the week. There are reluctant agnostics, there are atheists who are searching for God, and they may find Him. But somebody who says they're doing something in the name of God, in the name of Christ, and God and Christ have nothing to do with it, is violating this commandment. I am the Lord your God. You shall not take my name in vain. The people you know and trust are on EWTN.
So just recently, uh, Joe Biden said he's really not big in abortion, and that was a very interesting comment, to say the least, given that he's one of the most, if not the most extreme president we've had, even more so than Barack Obama and Bill Clinton and others regarding the abortion issue. An example of that is what's been done with the HHS and Oklahoma's Title X grant, simply because the money was not going toward abortion. Chris Faddis is with us, and he wrote an excellent opinion piece for The Hill, which is refreshing that the piece actually got published in The Hill. And Chris is joining us this morning to talk about not only the op-ed, but also to talk about the situation with Oklahoma and the pressure from this administration to force states and and different entities to accept an all-abortion or nothing attitude. Chris is a president of Solidarity HealthShare. Chris, thanks for joining us this morning on a Monday. Thanks for having me, Teresa. All right, so let's talk about what happened uh, firstly and that you, on which you based your article, and this happened in the um, state of Oklahoma, correct? Yeah, yeah. Essentially, you know, the Department of Health and Human Services awarded a grant to the state of Oklahoma under Title X uh, for, you know, of course, it helps with family planning services and, you know, all these other health care needs for uh, underprivileged families. They awarded $4.5 million to the state of Oklahoma. Uh, and essentially, uh, Shortly after, said, are you going to use this for abortion? Oklahoma said, of course not. That's against our state law. And uh, the, the, the HHS decided to then take back the grant. They, 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 took them, they didn't give them the money. Now, is that legal? Can they do that? Uh, well, no, it's not. In fact, you know, what's interesting, Teresa, is every year since 1976, one thing that con- Congress has agreed on since Title X was was founded was that you cannot use these funds for for, uh, for abortion. I mean, the Hyde Amendment prevents it. There's also something called the Weldon Amendment that prevents HHS from discriminating against grant, grantees based on uh, abortion. Uh, and so it, it's absolutely illegal. They, they not only can't do it, they already had awarded the grant. So where does it stand now? Because I would think there would be a basis for a lawsuit, for an appeal to something like this. Yeah, I mean, I think that's that's coming. I think the state of Oklahoma is definitely going to going to fight this. I mean, it's been you know it's very clear. Several senators uh, and and other folks from the state have written the HHS uh, as well as senators from around the country pushing on this. I think there's there's pretty good grounds here for them to sue. For one, again, it violates federal law. The other thing that's interesting is what the government's doing here is trying to get the state of Oklahoma to violate its own state law, which which will not allow for using government funds for funding of abortion in its own state law. Its own definition of health care prohibits abortion as being defined as health care and using funds for abortion. And so what you're saying in, in, in this op-ed piece is, is, is really crucial. I'm just going to, to quote you here. The decision to cancel the grant is more evidence that this administration has little concern for Americans' health and well-being because you mentioned the money and the activities and the very, very important efforts that this money could have been used for. Instead, prioritizing its radical abortion agenda, even in states that the people have chosen through the democratic process to protect the unborn. So Oklahoma is a very pro-life state. So now they're really trying to strong arm the states where the people have already made decisions about this. Yeah, and, and I think that's the, you know, essentially what we've seen, Teresa, is that this administration is hell-bent on this agenda. They are hell-bent on forcing it. They're hell-bent on making political moves that make their stance clear. Uh, and, and again, we've seen over time and again, many of their political moves have been struck down by the courts, you know, and I hope that in this case, it's something that, that can be challenged legally and that they can, they can reverse it be, to prove once again that th- their moves, they're not, they're not legal, they're not authorized by Congress, they're, they're not able to do these things. 
but they continue to do them. And the only thing that one could suppose is their reason for doing it, even though it's illegal, is they're hell-bent on pushing this agenda, making it clear where they stand. Maybe it's about their donors and their, you know, their, their public interests and having to show where their loyalties lie. I don't know. But it's, it's an ineffective strategy, for one, of actually getting anything done. But it's a very effective strategy of continuing to punish those you disagree with. Absolutely. Talking with Chris Faddis, president of Solidarity HealthShare, about the situation that recently developed in the state of Oklahoma, where the administration, the federal Biden administration, pulling from the HHS, canceling Oklahoma's Title X grant because the money was not going toward abortion. So in light of this and many of our efforts by this administration to enshrine abortion everywhere under the sun, what was your reaction when the president said abortion is really not, what did he say? It's, I'm not that big on abortion. Wasn't that his quote? Not that, not that big. It's not that big of a yeah. deal, basically. Yeah. You know, and, mm-hmm. I, and I think, again, I mean, it, he, can, he can say that all he wants and, and continue to try to talk around the truth, but his actions and his administration's actions have, have been clear. He will go down as uh, one of the most pro-abortion presidents, if not the most pro-abortion president out there. Uh, he, has, he has done everything he could to try to expand access to abortion. Uh, and again, he's, he's, he's really turned his back on his Catholic faith in this, and, and that's, that's a big deal. But his administration has continued to go after religious people, uh, pro-lifers, conservatives who have a stand on abortion. Uh, and, and I think it's the proof in the pudding. We, we don't need his words to tell us. We can see by his actions. But see, uh, this it's really is, important that we pay attention to this. Right. But this is why it's so important that your article is in something like The Hill, because the problem is, and you and I know this, that people don't know this kind of stuff is going on. They get a very generic view and and think, well, he's Catholic. He's not really all about abortion, but he supports it because he's concerned or he says he's concerned about this particular situation. It's played down in the majority of the secular press and people don't see how extreme this administration is regarding these issues. Yeah, I think how extreme it is and how how uh, little it is focused on actually serving on the pe- serving the people that these dollars are meant to serve. I think it's very clear. You know, uh, one of the things about Title Ten that's always been an issue is that that Planned Parenthood was using it as a you know as a cash cow to help their business and, and to prop up their business. And you know, and I think this is now the opposite. They're now trying to say, okay, we're not going to let anyone use this except for those who are trying to use it for abortion, even though for years. They tried to prove that none of these groups like Planned Parenthood were using it for abortion. Um, you know, so there, there's just a continued push. And, you know, we, we've got to stand up on this. We've got to we've got to pay attention. And like you said, we've got to tell people because the liberal media is not sharing these stories. They're not talking about what the, what the administration focused on. And imagine how many people that $4.5 million in Oklahoma could have served that it now won't serve because the Biden administration had a political agenda. See, that was my next question. So so what kind of services, because you mentioned it briefly in the beginning, Chris, what kind of services are being neglected by the administration pulling this money? You know, it, and it, it'll it'll be interesting. I didn't look at the grant for, you know, that, that Oklahoma filed. Some of it would actually be things that we as Catholics wouldn't agree with, and some of it's going to include, you know, things like, you know, birth control counseling and those right. kind of things. But in a lot of states like Oklahoma, it will also include, you know, lots of other services for those families, providing resources and, and education and training and, you know, health care visits and, and those kind of things. And so a state like Oklahoma, who is financially doing okay, they'll, pro- they'll still provide those services. Mm-hmm. But what should have happened is some of these federal dollars should have gone to those services and 
they'll take money from some other area in the state budget to serve those families. Do you think that the recent decisions in the Supreme Court, you know, two of them regarding, for example, First Amendment and religious freedom rights, and the fact that the Biden administration lost on those four major decisions that came out right before the uh, Supreme Court went home for the summer, right before Fourth of July, do you think these decisions, because those are big blows, and I know they're not related to, to this topic exactly, but the fact that there is so much overreach, especially, for example, with the student loans, where that was a total, you know, executive order. Mm-hmm. And even Pelosi herself, Nancy Pelosi, said it had to go through Congress. It wasn't supposed to be done through executive order. Do you think they will stop and, and, and think about this and they're heavy handed this or no? Do you think they're just going to continue to push forward? I think they're going to continue to push forward. I think what they've, what they've made clear to us is that in their mind, you can have your, your religious freedom and your values, but only if you fight for it. And so they're going to continue to ask for what they, what they don't have a right to ask for, take what they don't have a right to take, and let the courts take it back. And, and they've, they've just shown this over this, this first half of the presidency, right? And, and, and really, it's been the strategy for some time on the left that they're going to enforce these kind of policies, let us fight for our rights, which means we have to trust in the courts to get those. Right. Uh, which is not what the Constitution says, by the way. And, and then... You know, and then just keep coming, and it's like a battering ram. And I think the only thing I, I was asked recently, why, what's their strategy? And the only thing I can think is, if you go to bat a thousand times and you 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 lose nine hundred, you still got a hundred hits. You know, and mm-hmm. they think like, we'll just keep doing this, and we'll get enough victories in the courts, and we'll get enough people to back off and not fight back that we'll get our agenda done by force. And and it's it's unfortunate because that's certainly not the democratic process. Um, but and thank God for, for us that we currently have really good people in the courts to help us. Yeah. And thank God for our founding fathers who set up a system of checks and balances. Chris, thanks so much. Chris Faddis is the president of Solidarity Healthcare. And we'll post a link to this op-ed because this would be a great one to share for those folks who don't believe this is happening, especially because of the source, The Hill. And I'm glad that they were open enough to publishing it. That's important. Chris, thanks. Have a great week. Have a great one, Teresa. God bless. And again, the op-ed is entitled, Biden's HHS canceled Oklahoma's Title X grant because the money wasn't going toward abortion. We'll post a link to this on the Catholic Connection archives. We'll be right back to wrap up a Monday morning live with Gail Buckley and our scripture verse of the week. Stay tuned. Hi, I'm Al Cresta. Our generation is the first in human history to widely reject that life has any overarching purpose. Morality is considered relative, and we're even uncertain about what it means to be a man or a woman. Catholics at this time need to be awake, not woke. Sit down with Renewal Ministries' Peter Herbeck and I for an extended conversation with Noel Maring, author of Awake, Not Woke. It's available on the Renewal Ministries' YouTube page or in the slider at AveMariaRadio.net. Brought to you by the nonprofit Seton Home Study. Hi, everybody. Dr. Ray Garendi here. You thinking about homeschooling? Seton Homeschooling, 40 years of experience, 17,000 current students. Pre-K through high school. They provide the books, the lesson plans, counselors, the grading services, the tests. That's right. Pretty much everything. My wife and I use Seton. Some of our children. Tell you this. Two of them got perfect ACT scores in verbal. And overall, the Seton students scored more than 100 points above average on the SAT. Over 30% higher on English and reading on the ACT. It's a rigorous program. You want to give the very best to your kids? Trust me on this one. Go with Seton. It is a beautifully rigorous academic program. Go to seatonhome.org. 
That is seatonhome.org. People ask how they can care for older family members who can't fully care for themselves. One answer is Visiting Angels, America's choice in senior home care. Visiting Angels assists adults nationwide with 600 locations to continue living at home and not have to move into a nursing home. Their caregivers provide assistance in hygiene, meals, and light housework. Services are provided up to 24 hours per day, and you can select your caregiver before service begins. More information, including franchise opportunities, is on the web at visitingangels.com. Oh, my goodness. Can't believe it's a a wrap-up almost. And love talking to Gail Buckley with our scripture verse of the week. Okay, this is an important one, Gail, to make sure that we're not envious. Good morning. Thanks for joining us. Good morning, Teresa. Yes, it's from Proverbs 14, chapter 14, verse 30, and it says, A heart of people gives life to body, but envy rots the bones. Mm. (laughs) You know, envy is just one of the many sins. But, you know, I chose it, Teresa, because unfortunately people don't tend to think of it as a sin. And sadly, it's pretty commonplace for people to be envious of others. And, you know, as our verse today says, it eats away at us and it can lead to worse sins like, like hatred and even murder. In fact, I think, you know, it probably is the main reason that the chief priests delivered Jesus into the hands of the Romans to be crucified. They were, you know, so envious of his knowledge, his teaching authority, and, and they hated the fact that so many people were following him. And in Matthew's gospel, it tells us that the chief priests and the elders of the people assembled in the palace of the high priest, and they schemed to arrest Jesus and secretly have him killed. So envy rots us from the inside out, and it corrupts both our words and our actions when we act on it. And, you know, it comes when it really, it comes when we compare ourselves to others. And, you know, we might compare ourselves to a coworker or an athlete might compare themselves to another athlete. But you remember years ago, Teresa, when, um, was her name? Tanya Harding uh, had um, oh, yeah. mm-hmm. her mm-hmm. competitor. She had someone hit her in the knees with a baseball bat. Yep. I mean, that's bad envy that led to something terrible like that, you know. And a person may be envious of their neighbor because they have a better house. or We can even be envious of someone in our own family. And the Bible has a lot of uh, stories about sibling rivalry. In fact, in the first um, book of the Bible, in Genesis, we hear about Cain and Abel. And, uh, you know, Cain was the firstborn son of Adam and Eve, and he was a farmer, and his brother Abel was a shepherd, and they made sacrifices to God, but God favored Abel's sacrifice. And because of that, Cain was envious, and he killed Abel. Mm-hmm. So that's one. And also in Genesis, we have the story of Joseph, you know, who had 11 brothers. Right. And his brothers were so envious of him because his father favored him that they sold him into slavery. And then in Deuteronomy, I think this is the one that really comes to me, is what when Aaron and Miriam, the brother and sister of Moses, were in their tent alone and they were speaking against Moses, and God heard them. We need to remember that God hears everything. He right. hears everything we say. And he heard them, and he was so angered, he came down and he brought them out and he scolded them, and he struck Miriam with leprosy and sent her out of sight of the camp for a week and so that's something that, that always i think about you know when i'm in home alone and i'm talking just to my husband about somebody or something i think oh gosh god can hear me i'm sorry lord <laughs> <laughs> because envy is a sin and we, we we need to remember that the next time we start to say something or 
talk against someone, we need to remember it is a sin and it angers God like all sin does. Yes, yes. And even though no matter how quietly or softly you speak, the Lord hears everything and sees everything. <laughs> yes, right? he does. Right. Absolutely, yeah. he does. Yeah. Yes, he does. Well, beautiful and we need thoughts. To remember, we're the most high, you know, we're the, the sons and daughters of the most high king. A king, right? Well, yep. Daughters of the King, Absolutely. daughters and sons of the King. Gail, thanks so much. We're almost out of time. Absolutely. Give us a website for Catholic Scripture Study International, if you would. Yes, it's cssprogram.net. C, like for Catholic Scripture Study, cssprogram.net. All right, my dear, great to speak with you. Thanks for joining us again on a Monday morning edition of Catholic Connection. And friends, thanks for tuning in. Don't forget, all of our programs are archived. You can find everything on AveMariaRadio.net. Just go to the archive section and then click on it, and Andrew usually gets everything up there by... Well, usually about noon, and that way you can share, you can post, you can tweet, and you can re-listen if you want to go back and hear something that one of our guests said. Really appreciate it. And we'll also have the links to the book by Gary Mashuda up there as well as the article, the op-ed piece from our gra- our guest, Chris Fadis, who was with us just a few minutes ago. A really good piece published on the Hill. Talk to you tomorrow on a Tuesday. Adomani. Ciao, ciao. You've been listening to Catholic Connection with Teresa Tamio. Catholic Connection is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Our producer is Andrew Kruchek. For copies of this program or for more information, visit AveMariaRadio.net. That's A-V-E Maria Radio.net. Thanks for listening and join us next time for another edition of Catholic Connection.